It's time once again for the Vince in the Bay podcast. This episode, my guest is Ben Johnson, founder and CTO of Obsidian Security and formerly of Carbon Black and the NSA. Yes, the National Security Agency. Ben and I met at a clandestine location in San Francisco to discuss, among other things, the movie Enemy of the State and how it spoke to him and enticed him to join the NSA. We also discussed GDPR and other cybersecurity-related stuff. Hey, it's Vince in the Bay, hanging out in San Francisco at RSA 2018. And now I'm joined by Ben Johnson, CTO and co-founder of Obsidian Security. Thank you for joining me, Ben. I appreciate it. Thanks, Vince. Excited to be here. Tell me a little bit about yourself and your background and how you got into security. So I was always into computer science and was majoring in that. And I saw the movie Enemy of the State, Will Smith, Gene Hackman, uh, NSA and all that. And quite literally the next day I applied to NSA and I'm like, this is awesome. So then I ended up uh, joining NSA as a govy and uh, spent some time there. And then I uh, ended up becoming a defense contractor, working with a bunch of intelligence agencies uh, from there. Wait, you- wait, wait, wait a second. You literally saw a movie, said that looks cool, went over and said, hey, I saw Enemy of State. This, this shit looks pretty dope. Where do I sign up? Come on in. Is that really like... Yeah, pretty More much. Or less, so that's I mean, up. there's you know painful polygraphs and stuff in the middle there. Yeah. But uh, I mean, I, I could write code. I had had an interest in security, but uh, I really didn't know much about the agency. And back then, they were they weren't really public. Like now, you know, they're still secretive, but everyone knows who NSA is. Yeah. Back then, it was it was a lot of people didn't even know what NSA was. Yeah, it definitely has has uh, come into the, uh, the the general mainstream consciousness because of uh, Snowden. Did you ever work with Snowden? I did not work with Snowden. Okay. Um, you know, Enemy of the State, you know the movie it's based on, right? Yeah, there's one in the uh, the 70s or something, right? And the Conversation. I haven't actually seen that one. I you got to see it. Yeah. It was all filmed right here in oh. San Francisco. And Gene Hackman is in that. Yeah. He he plays, it, it's a great, it's, it's a Francis Ford Coppola film. He made it in between the two Godfathers, the first two Godfathers. It's it's dated. I mean, it was in the seventies, San sure. Francisco in the seventies, but still relevant. Still has you know a lot of relevancy to today. So yeah, I would I certainly would suggest checking out the conversation. But getting back to our conversation, Ben. Uh, so so after so after you you were in the NSA, you moved into. I'm sorry, you moved into the the public sector, well, I, I, private I, sector. I mean? Yeah, I, well, I did defense contracting, so I could work with a bunch of intelligence agencies. Uh-huh. And then uh, ended up, there's, you know, a few years there, ended up uh, co-founding Carbon Black. Uh, so we, What's Carbon Black? So Carbon Black's an endpoint security product and endpoint security company. Uh, the original Carbon Black, which, which myself and Mike Viscuso uh, co-founded, uh, it was EDR, it was the beginning of endpoint detection and response, continuous recording. Really, we were going in and doing incident response, and incident response in 2010 was copying hard drives and looking at hard drives for artifacts. And we said, what if you recorded every single event on every single laptop so you could rewind the tape, you could quickly see what was going on, but then you could also do detection. So we ended up uh, getting funded, building that up, uh, actually merging with another endpoint company called Bit9, 
the new entity took the carbon black name. It's now maybe a thousand people, um, had a great run there. And then about a year ago, just decided I wanted to do something different and ended up, uh, helping to create obsidian with Glenn Chisholm and, and Matt Wolf. And you describe obsidian as a stealth company. What the hell is a stealth company? <laughs> Basically it means we're early and we're not really publicly saying what we're working on, but we're a security product company. Okay. All right. Since you're still in stealth mode, I guess, can you at least elaborate a little bit on what sort of uh, security platform you're, you're uh, potentially going to roll out? Yeah. So, you know, we, we believe that we need to provide value to both IT and security. Uh, we also believe that there's aspects of every product that are used in, in both sort of detection or prevention and also response or investigation, right? So sort of both sides of the, the coin there. And then a lot of it's around uh, where's the IT trend going? And really, then you start to think about like, how is your infrastructure being used from a risk or security perspective? And so those are some of the things we're focusing on. I know it doesn't say a whole lot, but you know, we're targeting businesses, we're targeting enterprises. We're not, we're not building like a consumer product or something like that. Um, and then we're just here at RSA having a lot of good meetings and, and, and chats. Uh, are, you, are you paying attention to any of this uh, GDPR stuff? I think it's hard not to. <laughs> yeah, that seems to be something that a lot of people are buzzing about. Uh, what are your feelings on that? Is there, is there something about it that, if, that affects you or affects the way you, you, you build your business model? Yeah, so, I mean, absolutely, we have to uh, consider, you know, data protection, data privacy aspects of our product and how we store information. But we also are, are, are building a product that enterprises will use for security. So we have to make sure that our product doesn't allow uh, abuse by the security team or something, right? Like a lot of security teams have a lot of visibility into all sorts of sensitive things across the environment, right? And access to certain files or permissions or things like that. And so making sure that the tool itself cannot be abused or that there's proper auditing and things like that. So yeah, we absolutely have to to keep it in mind and, and plan for it. The one challenge is there's some pretty strong language and strong um, potential penalties and things, but no one quite knows how it's going to go. Have you been paying attention to this, uh, the CTA cyber security technology accord? Have you heard of that? Uh, it was just rolled out a couple of days ago. So if are you talking about the, the Microsoft one? And yes. The, Microsoft got the like sort of 30... Geneva convention. Yeah. Kind of thing? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. What, what do you think about that? I think it's interesting because you're seeing a lot of tech companies, try to take a stand around what they will essentially participate in or what they will help sort of defend. Um, and, and actually companies like Microsoft's and, and other big tech giants, a lot of times there's, there's either criminal organizations or terrorism organizations that are using their services, right? Email or, or other things. And so they've actually for a long time been very cooperative with law enforcement. So this is more now, when do they actually step in and try to protect, you know, kind of individual citizens or when do they you know, help like the Pentagon or more, you know, sort of, you could say aggressive organizations. Um, and so um, I haven't read that accord in detail. I just sort of saw the headlines and stuff. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. And I, and I think what we're seeing with the accord, um, I mean, these tech companies have so much power now that they have to figure out where their sort of ethical boundaries are and where they're going to apply their resources and their power. What, what do you think the similarities are in, um, you know, doing government, you know, doing defense for government institutions and then moving over to, to private industry? Yeah. 
So, um, you know, one way we look at it is, and it's, uh, I think a lot of people look at it this way, there's essentially opportunistic attacks. They're just trying to hit whomever, could be a person, could be a business. Uh, and then there's targeted attacks where they're really after some specific information or, or some, in some database. Pretty much every organization has to worry about the opportunistic attacks and quite a few have to worry about the targeted attacks because they have something of value, whether it's organized crime trying to steal your information at scale to monetize it or actual nation state trying to do something politically or espionage related. I think one thing that maybe gets lost sometimes is uh, if you're a nation state, you're going to try to blend in with the less sophisticated actors. Like you're going to try out the, you know, you're, you're going to bring the knife first before you bring the tank or the, you know, fighter jet kind of thing. Like if, if the door is open, just walk through, you're not going to like, you know, have special forces parachute in or something. So a lot of times, like just because an attack looks unsophisticated or looks like it's using a, a common tool that any sort of hacker script kitty kind of person can use, um, that doesn't mean it's not like the military. <laughs> so you have to start thinking about that. The other thing is the sophistication or the persistence is really where the differentiation is. So once you get in, then as a, uh, as a nation state, you're going to be much better at sort of moving around and moving around quietly within an organization and then extracting information and then putting it to use. So that's more of the sophistication. It's, it's a hard problem. Uh, the other thing is once you get in, a lot of times um, you get credentials and you become an insider. So then you really have to figure out as an organization, how do I detect insider threat? Because it might not actually be insider. It might be Russia or China or somebody like that that actually stole the person that's sitting next to you's credentials and they're logging into their accounts now. And you have to try to figure out, like, is this normal behavior for, or not? So there's tons of problems. We're hoping that we can help with some of these. But, um, yeah, it comes back to uh, being able to understand, like, is activity in my environment normal or not? And then trying to figure out intent and, and, and what's going on. I think, you know, I think the fun thing about cyber is we're all trying to truly stop a bad guy, right? Like it's one of the few professions where you get to fight the bad guy and usually you don't get shot at in this profession. The other ones that you fight bad guys, you maybe get shot at. Um, as a vendor, we all have to realize is there is vendor fatigue from organizations. They all have like 50, 60 vendors they have to deal with and buy your product and deal with your procurement uh, side and legal and all that. And, and a lot of times... Just because you have good tech doesn't mean a company's going to buy it. Even if you have a good price, there's so much around friction and, and just how you interact and how you plug into their existing ecosystem. So there's just a lot going on. And, and when people think about like, well, how are these big companies getting hacked? Sometimes they're making mistakes or, or, or not focused enough. But other times it's just you have this mishmash of technology and a bunch of different security products you're trying to use to defend this kind of crazy environment. And guess what? You basically have the military coming after you. It's like, it's a losing proposition. So I'm not saying we don't do security. Of course, I believe we need more security, but um, it's hard and we just have to keep getting better. How about uh, any advice you would give to an average user in a, just, just generally as, as a security researcher, somebody who's been, been in the industry, you're obvious, I mean, you're a user yourself, right? Yep. Like what somebody who's just the average everyday person who, you know, just wants to keep some things in mind about what to be, how to be secure. Uh, get rid of stuff you don't need. So if you don't need those flash plugins or the Java plugins or those extra accounts, get rid of those. Um, and then be skeptical. Like, don't just click on those links and don't just, you know, visit random sites like, you know, do that. And then the other thing is like use an iPad or, or something like that. Like if you if you can use something like an iPhone or an iPad, they've actually done a pretty good job locking those down. Um, not to say there isn't risk, but um, just just thinking about it like that, like what's the simplest way I can 
get my web surfing or my email um, and then turn all the other stuff off because that's usually where the vulnerabilities are. Cool. Ben Johnson, CTO, co-founder of Obsidian Security. What does Obsidian mean? Uh, it's a volcanic glass, volcanic rock. Wow. It's also in Game of Thrones. It's called Dragon Glass. So what, what's, the, what's, what's the idea behind using that as the name? Well, we just like it. Also, you know, Carbon Black was, was black and then Obsidian's black. And then, you know, we, we feel like we're going to take all sorts of, all sorts of uh, sources of information and, and sort of form conclusions, which I know sounds kind of cheesy, but, uh, you know, some of that. So. If I want to follow up and find more uh, information on Obsidian and, and track uh, what, what you guys have coming up, where can I go to find information? Yeah, obsidiansecurity.com. There's even a, a little form. You can put your email address in and we'll contact you when we have news. Uh, I'm at Chicago Ben on Twitter, so I, I tend to tweet and do things like that. Um, we're at ObsidianSec, S-E-C, uh, so Obsidian S-E-C uh, on Twitter as well. Uh, and then we're on LinkedIn and Facebook and stuff like that too. Thank you, Ben. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to yet another edition of the Vince in the Bay podcast. Okay, I have to list off all the different platforms that this podcast is available on. I did a little research. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbean, Player FM, Listen Notes, Pod Paradise, Castbox FM, Blueberry, that's B L U B R R Y, Mixcloud, Soundcloud, Podchaser, Storyo, that's S T O R I Y O H, MyTuner Radio, and Castrex, among other platforms. Speaking of platforms, check out my blog. It's vinceinthebay.com. And hit me up on Twitter, twitter.com slash vinceinthebay. Ciao.